Welcome back to the big program. Time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Um, download the new Booster Juice Rewards app um, today, tomorrow, whenever you can. Start earning berry points for delicious and nutritious smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through the day as we welcome in Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Uh, maybe, Spec, you need a booster juice after that third period last night, maybe the whole game. I don't know. Uh, how are you <laughs> yeah. enjoying uh, dissecting that one, big fella? Yeah, maybe deliver a uh, <laughs> flat of those booster juices to the oil room after two periods. How about that? <laughs> Get a little energy. Get a little energy. A little something, pal. That was an absolute full job in the third period. Uh, that was a very good first 40 minutes, hard work, every guy coming up, you know, a lot of, a lot of players who needed to show up in McDavid's absence did Campbell was fantastic. They, mm-hmm. All the elements of what the orders hoped they would get and what order fans wanted to see. And they undid it all in the third period, every inch of it. What did you make, um, of that? Just, I mean, it started in the, in the first minute. So, do you think it's a lack of preparedness coming out of the second? Why has the third period been a problem this year? They've only scored one goal. Yeah, I mean, I will say that in the first two periods, it was Edmonton that came out and pinned uh, Minnesota in the first and in the second. They were very, very strong early. You know, the first minute, mm-hmm. the owners owned them both. So, no, you know, the other team's trying too, Kev. Yeah. Right? They're going to come out. They're going to give you their push. Uh, and you know what? So they score a goal. Okay, they come out hard and score a goal. That was that kick pass from Zuccarello, right? Mm-hmm. Really, really good play. It was just an excellent play. No one saw that kick pass coming. It was a beauty. And they score. So, okay, so it's 3-3. Like, 3-3 doesn't have to turn into 6-3, right? That's really the issue here. Uh, you got to have some pushback. You got to have some resilience. You know, Minnesota trailed three times in that game. They came back every time. The minute the Oilers trailed 4-3, it turned into 6-4 or whatever it was uh, in a big hurry. Yeah, 5-3. Uh, yeah, 5-3, whatever it was. It was They did not have the same pushback when it was their turn to push, uh, and that's an issue. That, that's a fair assessment for sure. Uh, the pushback that Minnesota showed trailing uh, compared to what the Oilers showed trailing as uh, Mark Spector's with us in Sports 1440. So, 3-3. Um, Penalties, uh, too many men on the ice. What do you make of that? Well, who knows? I mean, I've covered hockey 30 years. I've never seen a team take three of those in one game. So I've got no reference point. Obviously, you know, taking each one at their own, uh, guys were changing at poor times. They're changing, you know, at one point, Broberg's, Broberg's changing while the rush is coming towards the order zone. And as Kulak hops on the ice, Broberg changes his mind and says, ah, this yeah. is a bad time to change. I better stay on the ice. You know, and Kulak's the one that's standing there getting yeah. a penalty. But that was a play by Broberg that was absolutely ridiculously bad. Uh, I, I, frankly, we didn't really – I didn't get a good enough look on TV at the other ones to lay any kind of blame. But, listen, three too many men on the ice penalties. <laughs> that's, you know, that's a get season. Get your head out of your you-know-what. Yeah. That's – no excuse for that. No reason for that. Yeah, that's a season. <laughs> that's a season, right? Or at least a half a season. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know what the record is, but that's above average. Oh boy. Yeah. No. No. There's no. You know uh, what does that mean? Is this the team overthinking it? Is there too many defensemen? Uh, no. You know, 
I don't know what to tell you, pal. How, how do you take three in one game? I've never seen it before. I got no reference point here. Mm-hmm. I, again, I, we've been saying the, the key word, lack of awareness, attention to detail. I mean, you can yep. wrap up a lot of things with those two uh, two sentences. What do you make, Mark Spector, of the Oilers' defensive zone coverage at times? And even, I'll be honest, even though when you said that, you know, after 40 minutes, you know, Jack Campbell stood on his head in the second period. It could have been could have been four three, five three even after the second period for Minnesota. I mean, that's how well he played in the second period. But how can you explain this defensive system? That I think we get a lot of texts coming in, and everyone is talks about this defensive system, this new the zone, uh, this and that, what they went from last year. It's a new thing implemented. Can you explain it? Because I certainly can't. No, I can't. It's it's whatever it is, you know. Like there's there's was a couple. There was a coverage missed. It was Nurse and Cece and one of the I forget who it was. It was Hartman came up from behind the net. All of a sudden, he's in front of the Oilers' goal, and there's no one on him. That's 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 not a. It's a lack of awareness mm-hmm. for sure. Someone needs to know. There's a Minnesota Wild player behind the net, and you can't vacate. Uh, for me, a lot of it is is playing uh, physically. A lot of it is being on your guy. We watched Bouchard with another soft, soft, soft defensive effort last mm-hmm. night. He stands next to you, and you'd tip pucks at will because he's not. He's just standing next to you, right? That's all he's doing. He's not doing anything to you or, or tying you up or being physical or pushing you around. He's just standing there. Matthias Ekholm on the Hartman goal. Campbell loses that rebound. There's four people there, two orders, two wild who puts it in Hartman puts it in because Matthias Ekholm sat next to him watching him do it right Ekholm's a, a big strong player who played that particular play didn't use his physicality one bit you got to tie players up in front of your net or you might as well not be there so their 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 net front coverage uh which is not as much technical as physical is wanting and their defensive zone coverage which in many ways is technical is not good enough. Not good enough, pal. Mm-hmm. You, got, you got last night what you've been asking for for all season is a goalie who carried you for a period of time. He got carried through the second period. He was fantastic. Yep. You get into the intermission. You still got your lead because Campbell saved your bacon. And you can't expect them to do it again for another 20. That's what you get from really good goaltending. You get carried through a bad spot. And then you pick up the pieces and you go. Well, they came out in the third and were asking Campbell to be that good again. It just doesn't happen that mm-hmm. way. Uh, Mark Spector with us on Sports 1440. Uh, 27,000 texts coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Steve from Drumheller, uh, which echoes kind of what we've been talking about here, Speck. It wasn't really a great game defensively at all. Campbell played awesome. Or it was over in the second. Uh, we're overlooking some glaring defensive errors. 5-3 with one shot. Three too many men uh, from Steve in Drumheller. Uh, you did touch on Evan Bouchard. And yeah, he's getting it again on social media. He's getting it again on our text line. What is it um, that when he's in his in the offensive zone, it's almost like someone puts another helmet on uh, in and he, when he goes back into the Oilers' defensive zone, it just changes everything. You don't see a guy, I mean, when he's with the puck, when he's 
challenging, uh, making plays in the offensive zone. Maybe a small pinch down the wall. Everything looks fine when he's walking the blue line. Everything looks fine. Take him out of there, um, and you don't recognize the player. Have, have you? Can you compare what we've seen with Evan Bouchard here, offensively to defensively? Yeah, it is a crazy juxtaposition. A guy that can be so aware offensively and. You know, that shot that he's, uh, you know, first of all, he picks a corner for the first goal. He, the the shot that Kane tips in, he f- he looks up, he sees Kane, he floats one in there. Not the usual Bush bomb, but a real tippable puck that Kane puts away with a nice deflection like he is. He's exceptionally aware on the offensive end of the rink mm-hmm. and every bit that clueless lately in his own end of the rink. He's... I can't explain it. I don't know how you can um, be that same player at both ends of the ice, man. <laughs> like it is, he's heady. Yes. He's a heady player, a heady player on the offensive side of center ice and whatever the opposite of that is on his own end of center ice. But why last year at times, and especially when Matthias Ekholm came here, did we not see those uh, defensive deficiencies at least to this level? With Evan Bouchard, you know, and you saw the one of the real key goals in the game. I think it was the four-three goal, wasn't it? Where he, there was a, a wraparound shot, the dump the in, yep. and he yeah, he dump in, and he missed, just absolutely mishandled it. It went tic-tac-toe, and it's in the net, and it's, I mean, that's just bearing down on an important, you know, that puck isn't important until you don't have it, right? Then all of a sudden, it's important because you're fishing it out of your net. Like it's just a consistency. It's a it's a every play matters. It's you know. Uh, listen, don't ask me how a guy who's in a three three game can look that lackadaisical on a dump in when it's on a stick and off a stick. I don't, you know that it's all mental, right? It's all mental. It's not physical. It's all mental, and you're going to have to find a guy with more degrees than me to get in between <laughs> those ears and figure that out. Nobody has more degrees than you, Spec, do they? <laughs> you bet they do. I mean, I saw I saw your business card that one time. There was like an alphabet behind your name. <laughs> what about speaking of alphabets? How's Ryan Nugent Hopkins doing for you these days? Mm, right, okay. he had a great game in Nashville, and he's been maybe their worst forward since. Okay, minus four again last night. This is a guy that's supposed to be a bit of a defensive conscience, a good defensive player. You know, he's minus a hundred here. The puck's going in every time he's on the ice. So. Well, this guy's a leader. He's wearing an A, man. Like, let's go here. Holy man. Why are you losing? Because your best players are playing awful. That's why you're losing. Well, let's build on that then. Let's uh, let's talk a little RNH. So with Connor McDavid out at least one more game, um, you think more than one. Frank Saravalli thinks that he might play Sunday. Um, how much more do they need a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins to step up in 97's absence. Well, all of them have to step. Everybody has to step up defensively. You can't, you know, the the mantra of this team coming into the season was goals against. We got to get our goals. We're, we're going to get our goals against now. We're going to go from 17th in the league into the top 10. That was the mantra. And the game passes last night. We'll throw away the empty net goal. They still needed seven to win last night. Scored four on the road. You know, missing Connor McDavid was supposed to be about how we're going to score. They got four on the road in a hard building that they never do well in. Four's enough, right? Four's enough. It's got to be enough. 
if this team needs five, they're not going to win anything. You can't go into the playoffs saying, as long as we get to five every night, we're going to be great. Because you don't get to five four times in a seven-game series. You know, so it's mm-hmm. all about their defensive play, 1,000%. I don't care who's scoring, who's doing what, but they got to keep it out of their net. They're, they're defensively derelict. They're soft, softest tissue on the back end and careless as could be with a puck. You just, I'm here to tell you, I'm not throwing in the towel on the season. Mm-hmm. I'm not Mr. Panic. If they play this level defensively, they'll finish 15 points out of the playoffs, not just three. That's how bad they're playing defensively right now. They have the third worst goal differential in the league right now at minus 10, and that includes a 6-1 victory. So, I mean, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I know we're only six games, but um, that's not good. So, uh, as we speak with Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet uh, for Booster Juice on Sports 1440, what did you make of the play of of Evander Kane last night, even though Warren Fogle scored a couple of goals? uh, I thought Kane was probably the best forward on the ice. Total gamer, right? This is what you ask for. You know, every guy who matters on this team has to get better in McDavid's absence and get hats off to Kane. He answered that bell, you know, physical, stood up for Derek Ryan, scored a goal, um, had a, you know, a decent assist, gives Mm -hmm. the puck to Bouchard for a bomb. Like what, if every guy elevated like that, we'd be having a different tone on this radio show this morning. You know, Warren Fogle, has Warren Fogle not been their best forward this season? Most consistent. Sure, which is good and bad news. He's a third-line forward. Been their best guy. Like, he is – I get it. He's Warren Fogle. The puck doesn't go in as much as you hope it would. Sure. But he's got three goals now, and he's been – every night he's playing well. Every night he's bringing it. Man, there's a bunch of guys should be following in that footstep. You know, the Oiler uh, fans, our listeners, our our followers are just – they're passionate to say the least. Pillman comes in here, Spec. one 1440 text line as we get again quite a few. Uh, who is the number one prospect in the draft? The Oilers have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow, man, oh, man. Uh, anyway, where to from here, Spec? I mean, Rangers come in here tomorrow, one in Calgary, 3-1. Another, another balanced team with good goaltending, structure, defensive awareness. Uh, where to on a, on a night where the Oilers are honoring – you know, uh, Dougie Waite and Charlie Huddy. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, I don't personally think that it's emotion that the Oilers need. Like, I would I would normally say to you, hey, maybe that, maybe that emotional ceremony is going to be a boost for the team. Mm-hmm. Emotion isn't the issue here, right? It's cool-headed, smart, intelligent play that's the issue. So, you know, the Oilers are I'm, – I'm, I've looked at enough rosters, Kevin, in my life to look at the Edmonton Oilers roster and say – yeah, it's, there's no perfect roster anymore. It's a cap system. Mm-hmm. But there's a collection of good players here. This is a good roster, right? It's a, absolutely a playoff roster every day of every week. So if they play to their capability, they can beat the Rangers. They can could have beat Minnesota. They could beat Calgary. It's not about, you know, uh-oh, here comes a good team into our city. Right, it's about mm-hmm. this team figuring out how to play to their capabilities. So you beat absolutely the Oilers can beat the Rangers on Thursday, yeah. but not if they need five to win, pal. Shesterkin's one of the best goalies in hockey. You better limit the Rangers to two or less, uh, and figure out how to score the third one. And do you? I would imagine we see Skinner back in goal tomorrow. 
Oh, probably. <laughs> um, you know, sure. I guess neither guy is. I say it every day, Ken. Yeah. Neither guy has laid claim to the job. Campbell had a hell of a period last night. He had a hell of a period last night, mm -hmm. right? So I, I just blame him. I, not blame him. I, I, I just would like. I think he would want the second goal back, and we've got a bunch of guys you know, jamming me and all over me for harping on the second one. But out of all the goals, that's the only one I think that he would like back. Where the, yeah. you know, I don't know. You can't, you can't tell me you let in six and you're happy with your games. So. No, I don't know. Just the, that's the, that's the, that's how it works in hockey. Mm -hmm. There's no such, you know, you can't, it, they're mutually exclusive. If you let in six, you can't tell me you're happy with your game. Sorry. You betcha. So, yeah. Uh, well, for a miracle here. Yeah. So, uh, Oilers with the day off today, uh, back uh, for the morning skate tomorrow. So, Spec, I would imagine we will see you down at the rink. Thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you later. All right, KK. Okay. Thanks, Spec. Uh, that's uh, Mark Spector for On the Mark, energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, more of your texts. Uh, we can't keep up to them. Thanks for sending them in. And uh, Kenny Reed from Rogers Sportsnet uh, talking about, uh, well, maybe he had, I wonder if he watched all 16 games last night. Not possible. Not possible. Uh, it was frozen frenzy, and we are into a frenzy with Kenny Reed right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. 8.22 in Edmonton. Time now for our headliner of the day. Uh, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped that Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca as we welcome in Ken Reed from Rogers Sportsnet. Ken, I'm just incredibly uh, distraught, disappointed. Our last conversation on the air here a couple of weeks ago. You said you were coming here in studio. Now I understand you're ditching me for Gregor. Is that correct? Later in the week? No, not, what? not ditching. It's the flight problem, though. Oh, Kenny. I don't get in, I don't get in until around 11 a.m. noon on, on Friday. But yeah, and and Gregor offered me more money. I mean, it's a business, buddy. You oh, know how really, it yeah. is. Yeah, you hey. know where the coins at, pal. <laughs> Can you you lie to your friends and I'll lie to mine? But let's not BS each other. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So heading out to Edmonton this weekend. So I'm hanging out with Gregor. But I'll see you, buddy. I'll be around. I'll be around. Probably so going to go to the game. Yeah, you know, all the big stuff. Are you going to the game as a fan on Sunday? What are you doing? Like, what's the agenda for you? I think I'm going to work. Okay. Uh, I'm not really sure quite yet, but uh, you know, I, I might uh, might have to get in there. So hopefully, hopefully, I'll be at the game and doing doing some work. But uh, yeah, coming to the coming to town, going to do a book signing. I'll I'll, I'll do it up wrestler style. <laughs> Saturday, two o'clock, Indigo West Indigo West Edmonton Mall book signing for Henry's hometown hockey hero. So my old buddy Brad Kelly is going to be there with me. We're going to do a little Q and A, and I'm encouraging people. I said, don't just buy a book, buy ten. You know, that's kind of my thing. Well, you know, we never even got one minute in until you started flogging this new book. That's what you got to do, man. You got to work it. You got to work it. You can't be too proud to beg, you know? Well, I mean, I was going to I was gonna get to it. You didn't have to just bring it up on your own, you know? <laughs> that's what a good wrestler does. It's all about the promo. Oh, is it? So, I, so you, you probably have, you probably have uh, this whole interview scripted. Do you have it like a little notepad going with you right now? No, just, no, I just got up, so it's too oh. early for a notepad. What time do you crawl in the rack after a late shift like that? Uh, last night, buddy, I uh, was about 2 a.m. So, yeah, the, the baseball kept going. Mm -hmm. 16 NHL games. 
so we were we were busy. It was it was a fun night though. Eh? 16, Sixteen games. That was a lot to choose from. Okay. What's going on with your Oilers? Well, just before we get to that, can you can you rifle off all sixteen games? What happened? Right now? No, absolutely, absolutely not. It not just, without a teleprompter. Once, yeah, once you, yeah, without a teleprompter. Once you say it, you forget it, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you leave work sometimes? Yeah. Uh, and go, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what just happened. Well, I have no idea. I, I always have to ask the Duke here. Did we have that guy yeah. on yesterday? Did we have whatever, you know? I can't remember. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, all, it, it's it hard. All, it all blends. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the thing is, if you if there's 16 games on and you're trying to make sense of it all, you can't. <laughs> it's impossible. You really do have to focus on one. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I mean, if I'm thinking back to last night, I think the Campbell save. I think Brady Kachuk absolutely mm-hmm. hammered mm-hmm. Uh, Tuck in Ottawa, and the rest is a blur. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the rest is a blur. Ken Reed from Rogers Sportsnet uh, guest with us. Before we get to the big book, hometown hockey heroes. Um, so you. You did focus a little bit on the Oilers game. So from a, an Eastern standpoint and a guy that used to work in this market, knows the market well, knows the passion, what's your take, Ken, on the Oilers' 1-4-1 one, and one start, including last night's 7-4 well, loss in mini? I'll go to the Evander Kane don't panic mode. But if you look at it, if, if, if they still have one or two wins after 10 games, then I'd get a little concerned because the thing about uh, NHL season, as you know, you can't win the cup in in October, November, but you can surely eliminate yourself in the playoffs. Even that early with a, with a slow start. Um, I, again, I mean, I just I just wish they could find that guy that's going to be the man every night between the pipes. And the back end looks a little suspect to me. It's it's very leaps esque. You know, there's so much mm-hmm. talent up front. You guys have it spread out better than Toronto. That's for sure. But uh, so I think it's time for, for Mr. Drysaddle to take the torch here for a week or two with Connor out and, and kind of lead the way. I know that's a lot, and you don't want to panic early, but, man, you, you can really put yourself in a bad hole. And, and Elliot Friedman came up with mm-hmm. that whole U.S. Thanksgiving theory <laughs> that if you're in a playoff spot by then, you're usually locked in. So uh, one win in your first uh, first six, seven, six, seven games isn't, isn't a good thing, and it's kind of the same thing down in Calgary, right? Yep. Sets up Sunday to be a pretty interesting game. Uh, Oilers one four and one, Vegas seven and zero. Oh, so uh, yeah. an eleven point right. spread already. Right, that's the hole, right? Yeah. So it it'll even out over time, but that's still such a such a great head start. Now, I remember working in Edmonton mm-hmm. back in the day, and it was you know you'd get to January and you'd go, okay, the Oilers are only you know seven eight points out of the playoffs, but when you when you break it down, you go, okay, there's you know, forty-five games left. You got to win thirty of them. That's that's tough. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to win. You got to you got to get what at least twelve points every every ten games. I would say at least at least. So this this isn't good. No, it's not the start that uh, everyone had hoped for or predicted, especially after what happened last year, and especially whatever you know coming in two weeks early and say we mean business. This is unfinished business. Yeah. Yada yada. So, uh, uh, yeah. Expectations are high, man. And they should be. They should be through the roof, to be honest. And um, I can't imagine what it must be like to be a fan. Uh, It's so frustrating. I mean, (laughs) I don't want to say you're wasting McDavid and Drysaddle's years, but you're wasting McDavid and Drysaddle's years. You know, you only get... You only get so many shots. Yeah, they're, they're going to be there for a while, but these are these are prime years right mm-hmm. now. You don't want to throw them away. You want to be, 
You don't want to be at least around when the dance happens, right? Give yourself a shot. All right, Kenny Reed from uh, Rogers Sportsnet, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, Ken, the big yeah. book. It's called Hometown yeah. Hockey Heroes. When did you start writing it? And um, what was the, I guess, uh, uh, this is book number three? Uh, seven. Seven? What yeah. are the other three? Oh, my God. I got the two hockey card books. I got oh. One Night Only. I got One to Remember. I got a book I did with Dennis Maruk and a book I did with Eddie Shaw. Okay. Well, those the hockey yeah. card ones. Come on. We can't count those, can we? Not really, no. Okay. I mean, talking <laughs> about kidding. hockey cards, what a juvenile thing to do. Right? Like, and okay. to think I call other people geeks and nerds for like an <laughs> analytics. And I'm the guy collecting my hockey cards still at 49. I yeah. Mean, man. Uh, nerd. My apologies, Ken. Book number seven. How did this all come about for you? I I figure I started writing it in around 1983 when I went to uh, my first Pecto Anders game and fell in love with my local hockey team and, mm-hmm. and a local player by the name of Teapot, who was my hometown hero. Still is. The boys still call him legend home for his hockey exploits from many years ago. So um, every town, Kev, as you know, you're, you're a small-town guy. You, you have a guy that you said, oh, he should have made it, man. Mm-hmm. He should have made it. So I kind of twisted around and I said, well, he didn't make it. He just made it in a different way. Just because you don't make the NHL doesn't mean you're not like a local legend. So um, I figured every town in Canada must have a guy like this or a girl like this. And uh, I think I'm right. I got a lot of people I tracked down for this book. I'm sure you grew up watching somebody play junior hockey or senior hockey. Tons. Okay, give me a name. I'm sure there is a guy right now. That okay, I'll tell you a guy that I grew up with. He's uh, he when I, I obviously I'm from Melville, Saskatchewan. So I grew up as a eight or nine or ten year old kid, and I was at the rink every day. There was a guy that played with Brian Prop for the Melville Millionaires in 1975 or so, maybe 76. His name was Kelly Dean. He was from Maple Creek, Saskatchewan. Uh, he played on a line with Brian Prop. He held the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League assist record for probably 35, 40 years, maybe 25, yeah. 35 years. Uh, he had 111 assists that he he, wow. he racked up in 76, I think it was. He was small, but he was magical with the puck. And I will guarantee you, if you asked any one of those guys, and you know who the head coach of the team was? Jerry James at the time, Ken. Oh, wow. So, And Jerry James was the last guy to play both the CFL and the NHL in That's the same awesome. season. Yeah, Right. Played for the Blue Bombers and the Maple Leafs. Same season. Um, so this is your story, right? Everybody there you go. Everyone's got one, yeah. Story like that. Absolutely. So whatever happened to him, I wonder? Uh, I don't know. I saw him at a millionaire reunion sometime later. Uh, but once again, all the guys would have said this is in today's game. He would have been a star in the NHL, right? A star. So, so that's that's how my book came about. Mm-hmm. So I threw it out on Twitter, and people came at me with stories like that. So I just followed up on them, and yeah. and, and I kind of discovered there are guys like this everywhere, and their stories are so worth being told because guys like you and I can relate to that, right? We didn't. Yeah. Not everybody grew up just running into the Montreal Forum or Maple Leaf Gardens or the Coliseum, right? So a lot of us grew up. That was our NHL, right? You're, I'm sure Melville was your NHL. The Melville mm-hmm. were they the Millionaires back then? You bet you, yep, you bet. Was there a millionaire in Melville during the seventies? <laughs> no, but the, the team got the name from that in the early 1900s because, and I can't remember the guy's name, but the the rumor around the senior leagues back in the day uh, is that he paid the players more than 
anywhere else, and that's why they were the millionaires. There you go. See, yeah. I love that. There you so, go. So we were called the Maripacks because they were sponsored by Maritime Packing, which packed lobsters into cans. And then uh, this team that I watched were the Mariners because they just they they had to kind of rebrand the team. So mm-hmm. but now we're Maripacks again. But yeah, this is this is a story, and I, I think people can just totally relate to this. So so when people read the book. I want, I'm hoping city folk can go, wow, there's yeah. a whole other world out there. And I'm hoping guys like you can go, hey, I got a guy. Yeah. So, that's, there you go. so there, I got a guy for book number two. There you go. So Ken, as we guessed with Ken Reed from Rogers Sportsnet and the author of the new book called Hometown Hockey Heroes, um, can you kind of tease us a little bit about some of the, uh, the players, some of the yeah. individuals from Northern Alberta here? For sure. Richie Perot from St. Albert. Okay played for the St. Albert Comets in the mid-1970s. <laughs> in a, in that, exactly. Yeah. In a, sen- in a senior league around Edmonton. And going to a Comets game was the big thing to do. And I got that from the from the mouth of uh, Troy Murray, who played over 900 oh. games in the NHL. Yeah. He said, growing up in the 70s, what you wanted to do was go to a St. Albert Comets game, and the guy to watch on Saturday night was Richie Perot. Richie was the guy. The guy. Hmm. So, you know, you'd be running around the arena, young Mark Messier, you'd be watching, running around watching Richie Perot and uh, Zane Jackie Beck, AJ's dad. We all know mm-hmm. Zane Jackie Beck. He was one of the goalies on the team. So he was the guy that reached out to me and said, you have to do a story on this guy named Richie Perot. So Richie's he's still, he's still athletically inclined. Um, he, uh, he, was, he, he went and played... Uh, he was offered to try it with the Oilers back in the WHA days. But he said, you know what, I'll just stick and in, in play in St. Albert, play for the Comets. And he has a great story of the St. Albert Comets. Like, get this, this doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. On a Saturday night, mid-70s, St. Albert playing the Polish Nationals. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Yeah. And the rink was so packed that there's a local photographer climbing the rafters looking for the perfect picture, and he falls through the roof of the canteen. His foot goes right through the roof of the canteen. So <laughs> these are the things that, that used to happen in old barns, yeah. and they were barns, as you and I know, mm-hmm. right? No fancy seats, cigarette smoke everywhere, the reek of rink fries, maybe some other smoke making a different smell, smells mm-hmm. that you can legally smell today. Yeah. But um, uh, to me, it's it's romantic when I think about the, the St. Albert Comets or the Melville Millionaires or the Pecto Mariners. Like I'm a I'm a nostalgia guy. It's probably why I'm a nerd who collects hockey cards as well. So I just figured, you know what? Maybe there's some other people out there that can relate to this. So so here we go. Yeah, for sure. Ken Reed's with us on Sports 1440. So when that guy went through the the canteen, like yeah. all the first thing that I thought is the smell of the burgers and the onions in the small town yeah. rinks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just the Great best. Stuff. Yeah. 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 I yeah. brought my son into a, a rink the other day. We were coming back from Kitchener, and there's an arena in Cambridge called Galt Arena, and one of the guys played in Galt Arena, one of the guys in the books, and I wanted to show my son Galt Arena because it's the oldest indoor rink in Canada. You go in, it's, it's old school. There's an old painting at Gordie Howe at one end. And my son, who plays hockey all over Toronto, we go and he goes, what's that smell? I go, that's rink fries, Jacoby. That's rink fries. Like, you know, we're growing up, kids are playing four pads and it's fancy and you don't want fries because that's not healthy, right, Kev? So I said, that's rink fries, son. So 
Yeah, I love that stuff. Oh, for sure. Uh, uh, text coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Adam in Spruce says the Junior C team is still called the Comets in St. Albert. Really? There you go, Ken. There you go. Perfect. So they're, they're living on. So, And there's, there's a guy in the book, uh, too, from Claire's home, Randy Keller. Mm-hmm. He was the man in Fort McMurray. He went up to the Oil Barons and held their scoring records for years. And he was the first guy from Claire's home to make it to the dub. So guys are telling me about him, and and then he became then he came home and he became the man for the Claire's Home Thunder in the Ranchland Senior Hockey League, which is just such an awesome name. So you know, just stories like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just yeah, it's relatable for a lot of us. So when you did all the research for this book, Ken, uh, obviously you had to do tons and tons of phone calls. I'm sure a lot of in-person interviews and things like that. Um, what was that experience like when you were kind of reminiscing to whoever, talking about all these old stories about players that, you know, the, I guess the, the common hockey fan would not have heard about yet? Right, wouldn't have a clue. So that's what made it fun because not everybody was on hockey TV early prospects. Mm-hmm. Had to, it was a lot of detective work, um, scanning through old newspapers. I just I, I subscribed to a site called newspapers dot com, which is it just kind of has. Remember, we need to go to the library and the old reels of old newspapers. It it has that, but online, so that helped me a ton. Um, just calling and listening, and I found I found listening to fans first made interviewing the subject if I could track them down a lot easier because I have like because when you're playing junior C or junior B and it's your glory days mm-hmm. I think you're just out there playing for fun you're not thinking wow I'm making an impact on some little kids I think you're probably thinking that's why they they'd watch Wayne Gretzky and I think for a lot of guys they they were kind of like really geez and I knew that was I knew they liked me, you know. They they kind of pat me on the back, but I didn't know they'd still think of me about it all these years later. So that was fun. It was mm-hmm. it was nice to give guys, as you mentioned, that most hockey fans wouldn't have a clue about. It was nice to give them a stage and kind of give them a little respect and say, "Hey, you did make an impact here." And and most of them are just really really flattered by that, which which I which I quite enjoyed. Got to ask you this one from a texture, Oliver Steve, uh, non-hockey related here, Kenny. So here we go. Uh, Oliver Steve says, ask Ken about Stu Hart and the Cuban assassin. Hilarious. What's the story, Ken? Oh, man. Okay, so Stu Hart used to tell the best stories about uh, about wrestling. And mm-hmm. my favorite one he told me was, he's like, uh, one time we had to take the wrestlers <laughs> to Saskatoon and we had a crocodile in the back of the, the van and the crocodile... <laughs> We got frozen because the van ran out of heat. And by the time we got to Saskatoon, the crocodile was frozen. We had to throw the crocodile in the showers and with our mouth. And by the time the wrestlers got out, the wrestlers couldn't have any showers and they were cold all along the drive. And I think the Cuban assassin might have been in there. So that's, that's my Stewie Hart imitation. That's and not bad. Know, and I, oh, thanks. I love Stu. I love, I love the Hart family. We miss Stu. But Stu once put me through the moves in the dungeon. Oh. He had me in. Yeah, he had he had me in like the, the the submission moves, and it was awesome. And Helen was there, and Helen was like, "Yeah, Stu, you have to let him go." And I was like, "This is wicked." <laughs> and he's like, "If I just put a little pressure right here in your face," and I could literally feel my eyes starting to pop out. It was it was wicked. Wow, those big mitts. He was probably just forcing them oh, in there. Oh man, and he was telling me stories about how he used to play hockey for the Edmonton Eskimos hockey. Yes, club. he did. Thirty eight, thirty nine. 
You know, Kev. Yeah. So there, that was the football we, team, actually. Sorry. 38-39. So we can put Stu in the next book, too. Yeah. So it was just, just wild. Yeah. So this book, yeah, for me, too, like, stories of Stu, like, like, like Alberta has so many great stories, right? Mm-hmm. You guys had such a great senior hockey scene and the junior hockey scene. And I hope that's not lost anymore. Yeah. It's easy to just sit back and watch a game on TV every night, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my my neighbor across the street passed away over 20, about 22, 23 years ago. Danny Babyface Volowski. He used to wrestle with wow. Stu Hart. He used to wrestle with them. You must have just sat there and listened. Oh, to well, yeah. I mean, I mean, the stories were unbelievable. They, you know, he talked about touring all over. You know, driving around the whole bit. So, lots of yeah. fun. Oh um, yeah, wrestling stories. Oh, are the they are. Awesome. So, run us down again. Your agenda. Where are you signing? Uh, I mean, are are you just like? Is there like a? Uh, I don't know. What would you call it? A U-Haul container of books coming out from yeah. Eastern Canada? Like where? <laughs> like what? Is the printing press just going nonstop, or what's going on? Oh yeah. Just crazy! It's like it's like Harry Potter, man. It's insane. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope to sell a few books. Book signings can be very humbling. Sometimes you show up, there's no one there. Sometimes you show up, there is a good crowd. So mm-hmm. hopefully, a good crowd will come out to see me on Saturday, two o'clock, Indigo, West Edmonton Mall. Book signing. There you go. What times it go till Kenny? Oh, until, until you run out of books. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, the mall's open twenty four hours these days. You know, but I'm 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 expecting a uh, a new kids on the block nineteen eighty nine nineteen ninety type frenzy at the mall. Remember when they used to play the malls with Tiffany? I'm expecting that kind of a stuff. Yeah, I you could know? just imagine it. High pitched squeals, lots of that. <laughs> you know, and if I'm going to be one of the new kids, I want to be Joey. He was the cute one. He was yeah. the young one. Well, so yeah, Saturday two o'clock at Indigo at the West Edmonton Mall. Yeah, I, I would see. I would say more high pitched squeals from the like. 75 to 85 year old crowd is that fair that's my crowd i just got a message from a buddy before i came on he's like yeah i just bought your book at indigo i talked to the guy he says we sell lots of ken's books they're great for dads and uncles so there you go (laughs) buy for for your dad and buy for your uncle come on out uh hey thanks ken thanks for doing this we'll see you when you get into town have fun on gregor's show and uh enjoy the heritage classic you too, Kev. Thanks, buddy. You're a beauty. Thanks for the vibe. Oh, uh, yeah, you betcha. That's uh, Ken Reed from Rogers Sportsnet and the author of Hometown Hockey Heroes. Uh, should be an interesting read to kind of a deep dive into some players that, um, you know, never made it all the way to the NHL, never made it to the, the lights, the glory, but... Um, in their hometown, they were a big, big deal. So that was the Mr. Rooter headliner. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca. Uh, when we come back, we'll get to more of your texts. Uh, this one comes in, actually, a quick one. Uh, never got a name on it. So they murdered an innocent crocodile. Wow, hilarious story. That is a good story from Kenny. Not a bad impersonation either, Duke. like it. Uh, top of the hour. We will uh, check in with our Wednesday co-host, David Schlemko, Steve Koulios from Sirius XM NHL Network, and uh, Katen Meta in the 9 o'clock hour. Stay with us. Tons more to come on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. You know, Duke, that sounds like another song we know, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the uh, the original version. That's uh, That was the original song so, Corb wrote, and then he obviously then he toyed just, with the lyrics and uh, changed it to fit the, the oil back so in town. So oil's back in town was the, it's almost the, basically the same riff, isn't it? 
Oh, it's like, it's the exact it's exactly? same beat. He okay. just he just rewrote the lyrics over top of it to uh to fit fit in. And I mean, obviously, the original song yeah. has a lot of tie. I mean, Corb and Alberta Boy in the in the oil industry. <laughs> and uh, so I don't think it was too much of a stretch to change. Uh, even the general message of the song was based in the oil industry. So switching yeah. that to the Oilers, I don't think too far of a stretch. And uh, now we've heard both versions on air. And yeah. Well, both, both you know what's bangers. funny when you, I, I was, you know, I would listen to the original, the 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 riff or whatever you want to call it, and then. Uh, I was waiting for the, you know, the Rod Phillips to pop in. And then all of a sudden, oh, where is it, man? Where is it? Uh, text coming in to one 401 That should be the Oilers' goal song. That comes from Dylan. Um, I wouldn't mind to have the original Cor Blund song, Oil's Back in Town. And I, I mean, I think maybe, be, you know, you, what you'd do is you'd, you know, I love to hear Rod's voice in there, but maybe if you want to put Cam Moon and Jack Michaels in there, I, I don't know. Well, I definitely, like there's, there's goal, something there for a goal song. It's a little bit tougher. I mean, it depends. It, so many teams now are even going with the individual goal songs for players, which has some pretty mixed mm-hmm. uh, results. Some guys are almost like laugh at it. And it's kind of a joke to them. They pick some something a little kind of funny and get a joke out of. Or there's a lot of your very stereotypical yeah. uh, ones in there too. So like a song like that, whether it be this original version or the Oil Back in Town uh, cover of it, it'd be that's a perfect thing with mixing in Jack Michaels, Cam Moon calls yeah. in with Rods. A perfect like for pregame. Um, some put pieces put together, overlaid over top of highlights and stuff. I mean, they need something. I mean, they've only played La Bamba once this year. It was on the road. Yeah, right. Yeah, one win. So that's the 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 song they play when they win La Bamba, obviously for Ben Stelter. Uh, text coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. This comes from Mark. Uh, hi, Kevin. Uh, every team playing the Oilers seems to know their playbook. You, you can blame players, but I see an inexperienced coach with thoroughbreds unable to motivate and match other teams' play. The talent is there, but undisciplined play and weak systems pulling them apart. Thanks, Mark. So I don't look at as Jay Woodcroft as being inexperienced. Been around a long time. Been in the Detroit organization. Was with San Jose. Uh, learned a lot from Todd McClellan. Uh, then the best thing that ever happened was he went off on his own in, in Bakersfield, became a head coach at the AHL level. Once again, take away this, this start. And uh, well, I mean, a lot of people have texted in that, that saying Jay uh, couldn't handle last year in the playoffs, the coaching angle of it uh, against Vegas. Okay. You can argue that point for sure. I still think Jay is a very, very good coach. His record is is there with the best of them since he arrived in the NHL. I believe he's the guy to pull this team out of there. Like if he's if he's the problem here, man. I mean, you you're you're looking at look at all the coaches Ryan Nugent Hopkins has had. Like if you count the one year when they had between Dallas Aikens, Craig McTavish, Todd Nelson, he's probably at eight coaches. Like where where does it stop? Where when does it go on the players? A hundred percent. And my big question for, cause there's been a lot of texts in this morning and I seen it on Twitter last night as well. It, people uh, unsatisfied with the job Jay Woodcroft has done. And, and through these first six games, rightfully so it's, it's, I think it's a combination of execution and maybe a little bit of preparation mixed in there. But my bigger overarching question is if you're so keen on ousting Jay Woodcroft six games into the season, who, who are you replacing him with? You talk about, Oh, we need a more experienced head coach. Uh, somebody with the track record, like who who do you want to hire? Who's I, out there? And I mean, 
Well, not nothing with a track record that you haven't tried already. That's what I, I mean. mean. I mean, you went down the Dave Tippett road. You did everything like that. Um, the only, I mean, the only guy that I ever thought that would come here, and again, this is only because of the, the tie to Connor McDavid, was Chris Knobloch. And I thought he might come here in an assistant coaching capacity years ago. Uh, years ago. I don't know. I, I just don't see this. I don't see hanging every problem here on Jay Woodcroft and the coaching staff. Texter comes in to one 401 which reminds me of a story that I have to get to. Uh, Rockford says, what? Uh, no, uh, Adam Boquist is 100% available. A friend of mine told me a story about Adam Boquist. I will not say his name on the air, but he knows who he is. Uh, Boquist and... Evan Bouchard played together with the London Knights in 2018-2019. Dale Hunter was the coach at the time. I don't know this. I'd have to do a lot of research on it. But I was told back in the day when they played junior together, they were never on the ice at the same time unless they were on the power play. What does that tell you? And I mean... Boquist uh, was drafted eighth overall by Chicago in 2018. His time in Chicago lasted two years. Went to Columbus, where he's been a healthy scratch this year, only played two games. I don't know. Top of the hour, we will check in with David Schlemko. He's probably in the parking lot right now as we speak, checking things out. Um, I don't think we have a liner going into this anymore, do we? We do have one. Which one is it, Duke? Just let me know because I got a. Is this a new one now? What do you? Yeah, call? we got a new one. The eight fifty five for uh, talking about the Hall of Fame game. Oh, where am I looking, man? Oh, I got her. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> you know all these new sheets just came in this morning, Duke. I'm sorry. My <laughs> fault. My fault. See, it's about preparation. It's about awareness. How about that? Uh, the uh, texter that sent the text in and said, "How about your awareness as a commentator?" Yeah. Where, where do you want your pat on the back? How about a slap in the head after that one? Uh, this Sports 1440 update is brought to you by the Edmonton Oilers Hall of Fame game this Thursday, 7 p.m. against the New York Rangers. It features the pregame ceremony for Doug Waite and Charlie Huddy. Limited tickets remain at edmontonoilers.com. Here is the Duke.